Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Beavers Dam Trojans. Grading USC's first third of the season. Alternative uniforms and colors. Ranking the head football coaching candidates. Previewing the Colorado game and predicting this week's Pac-12 Conference games. Hi, everybody. My name is Greg Katz, and welcome to Inside the Trojans Huddle, week number three. Inside the Trojans Huddle is a game-like panel discussion with we RSC columnists and staff writers. Let's get right to the pregame show, which means we introduce our panelists. Scott Schrader. We are SC's senior recruiting director who has 19 years of experience of covering the USC Trojans, both as a reporter and USC recruiting authority. Mark Culkin, We are SC columnist, who writes the Monday morass, yay or nay, and Sunday takeaways, in addition to practice reports. And Chris Arlish, former William Jewell College DB and team captain, and We are SC columnist who writes the popular column, Musings with Arlish. Me, I'm Greg Katz. We are SC columnists. I write the obvious, the not so obvious, and I am HO Sunday. So we're ready to go. We've done the pregames. Let's get into the first quarter. All right, here we go. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the 45-27 Oregon State disaster. Chris Arledge, you may go first. Well, you nailed it already. It was a disaster. Um, really one of the more embarrassing games that I think I've seen a USC team play. We've seen other USC blowouts. We've certainly seen other USC blowouts under Clay Helton. Um, but to have Oregon State, of all programs, walk out onto the Coliseum floor and just push our guys around um, and, and, and have our guys, frankly, not fight back really at all was humiliating. And probably the low point of the last few years, and that says quite a bit, to be the, la- the low point in the last few years. It was, um, it was awful, and it makes me quite nervous about what's to come in the next couple of months. All right. Well, we got a good starter there, so uh, let's go with Scotty. Mr. Schrader, your, your thoughts on the uh, disaster? Yeah, well, I, I, think, I think a lot of what we're going to say is going to be very, very similar. I, too, was, was extremely surprised. I, I couldn't believe it. I was watching how, on how dominating – Oregon State was at the Coliseum and, and, and watching Oregon State basically on the ground, no matter what USC did, gain five yards minimum per clip. When they got to the outside, it's like USC wasn't fast enough to catch them. So you were looking at kind of an issue with the, the defensive line looking like they weren't maybe big enough and strong enough. And you're also looking at a team that looked a lot slower than maybe we had anticipated. So um, I was kind of surprised all the way across the board with everything except Keaton Slovis, I, you know, he's, he's just kind of looks like he is somewhat broken. You know, he's not a bad quarterback. We've seen that. He's proven that. Just we're not really sure what's going on with him. But, it, you know, his, his indecisiveness, um, his, his pocket unawareness maybe now 
Um, you know, two years ago, he was a freshman. He could move around the pocket and, and, and seemingly have guys miss. But so anyway, I, I was just surprised on how dominated USC was. Thank you, sir. All right, Mr. Culkin, what say ye? Yeah, you know, I, I agree with Scott. I don't know how much our opinions are going to vary on this. Um, I'm with Chris. We were talking before we started about the effort. Um, I'm going to take it a different direction, and, and I'm going to ask, when this team faces adversity, which they've already faced a lot this year, you know, losing at home, losing their head coach, um, I see zero confidence with this team. So once they get punched in the mouth and they actually, you know, teammates, a team will know if they're going to win or lose a game. Once they know where they're going to end up on the spectrum, um, I'm not sure they have that fight in them. If they're willing to fight back. And if they are, it's, it's at the wrong moments. Um, and that shows up with the lack of discipline, the lack of accountability and the effort that's given on the field. Uh, so, I'm, I guess that's a, that's a tough one. I'm going to leave it there. there there's not right. a right home about. Agreed. Well, my perspective was I tried to t turn some negatives uh, into positives. Uh, I felt that uh, they got out coached. They got outplayed. I think that um, from my perspective, uh, th this team has got to stop blaming. It's Helton's fault. It's the coordinator's fault. Yes, they are accountable and they should be held accountable. And we'll get into that uh, in the second quarter. But I felt that it's time for this team to sit there and say, look, uh, we need to take accountability for ourselves. And this has been a reoccurring theme to me that this team, when they get punched in the mouth, they don't necessarily punch back and punch back hard enough. Now, you could say, well, they did against Washington State, but the truth was, A, it was Washington State. B, Washington State lost their quarterback. Uh, yes, uh, not having a Jackson Dart. Uh, obviously, he's, a, he's an incredible spark plug for this team. He brings something extra, and I can buy into that. But I think the biggest takeaway I had from this team is, where is their fight? Stop blaming and looking around for others and feeling sorry for yourself. Look at that's why they call it fight on. You're supposed to fight on. You're supposed to give it to the very end. And I didn't I didn't see that. Uh, the one other uh, positive I will take from it. I think we all better get uh, used to the idea that Jonathan Smith is a tremendous coach. Jonathan Smith knows what he's doing. Jonathan Smith, as I will talk about in the third quarter, needs to be considered as a coaching candidate. Maybe not in the top tier, but definitely the second tier as somebody who could help USC down the line. So I think we're all in agreement at this point that uh, the game is over and done with. There's a lot of things that need to be fixed. I don't think they can be fixed in a week, but uh, hopefully the players will get together. Maybe uh, I think uh, Mark said in a column, they should uh, have a players only meeting. And I kind of agree with that. So we'll see where it goes. So that's the end of the first quarter. Now we're going to get into some juicy stuff. Uh, the Trojans have completed one third of their season. If it was a school year, the first uh, first quarter of the semester is, is done. Uh, they are two and two overall, one and two in the uh, Pac-12. So the question is, is what grade or grades would you give the Trojans and why? I'll start this one off. Uh, I'm going to break it down. I think the offense is a D plus. Uh, they have no run game. Uh, the pass blocking is uh, not what I would call a safe way for a 
for a quarterback. Uh, the play calling is, is suspect. I think the offensive coordinator uh, is not dynamic and in, in, in changing or adding stuff. They'll take pressure off the quarterbacks. The defense, I'm going to give it a C minus. I mean, they do try. They try to flow to the ball, but they can't stop the run. Uh, I'm not so sure that in the third year of a Todd Orlando defense, uh, which has been his pattern, that teams catch up. They understand what he's trying to do, and they adjust to it. Uh, it was much too easy for Oregon State, and I th- I shudder to think what a team like Notre Dame or teams that can ground the ball like you play, uh, whether they can even be in the ballpark, if that's the type of thing. So, um, I, I give them a C minus, uh, special teams. Um, I'm going to go with a B, uh, because I, Parker Lewis, uh, field goals attempts, he's six is six. He's got all his PATs and Ben Griffiths, the punter is, uh, going at about a 46.7 clip, I believe it is. So I think, uh, the special teams has pretty much li- been above average, uh, you know, not no kickoff returns that are going to, you know, get you out of your seat or punt returns, but. Overall, they I think they've been above average and they've made adjustments. Uh, coaching, I think it's a D. Uh, I, I don't like what's happening on the offensive coordinator. I don't like the way things are starting to flow defensively. There doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, adjustments. Um, and overall, I think the uh, – and I have to take into account that Helton was there and he has a lot of responsibility even though he's not here any longer. And overall, I'll give this team a D-plus uh, for the first uh, – uh, grading period. I think that they um, uh, are two and two, which would say a C, but one and two in the Pac-12. They played more Pac-12 games than anybody. So that's where I am. I'm going to stop, give myself a buzzer. All right. And so uh, let's go on. And Mark, you got that uh, kind of that sinister smile. So go for it, buddy. No, I'm just going to go with the overall grade. Um, and I seriously, I vacillated back and forth between a pass, no pass, and then I said, you know what, I'm just going to go old school and, and give them a good old-fashioned letter grade. Um, I'm with you. I'm just a C-minus overall. And you know, we can break down each of the position groups. I don't think it matters. Uh, C-minus is it's passing. It, it's not a grade that I would ever be proud of. And, you know, you, you've already touched on it. It's, it's the lack of creativity on offense. It's the the defense shows flashes of what they can be, but it's almost like, Hey, I got that answer right this time, but they fail the test. Um, and special teams, they, they, yeah, you know what? Parker's been great. Uh, I, I know there were some issues heading into the season with his accuracy, but so far he's been, he's been outstanding. Um, there haven't been any returns. They haven't blocked any kicks, but it's just, you know, I, I, I tweeted it after the game. No offense, no defense, no confidence. It's just not a fun watch right now. So even though they're, it, it's like it's like they're going through the motions. It's hard to get excited about this. So you know, how do you get excited about a C minus or a D plus or a pass versus a no pass? I asked I asked Graham Harrell. You know, how do you keep the offense exciting? if they're not making the big plays, you know, he gave his little chuckle and tried to expound on it and he had no answer. So if the offensive coordinator doesn't have an answer, me as just, you know, a former high school athlete, I definitely don't have the answer. Well, let's see, Scott Schrader, do you have the answer? What grade do you give this group? 
Uh, well, I mean, as far as a grade, I'll do the overall grade. I think it was, it's, it's kind of a D plus for me. Um, you know, I'll give them credit for, for the victory over San Jose State. And it was it was a, a very fun game to watch uh, up in Pullman, the part that I did get to watch. Um, but, you know, I, I think, we're, you know, I'm, I'm going to weight this last game a little little heavier than I will all, all of the other games because, you know, you're in week four and you're still dealing with a, a quarterback that doesn't have confidence. And you have receivers. There's no run game. This is this is this is from a player on the team. We don't have any run game, and we're running routes where guys don't get open. But when they do get open, there's guys that are dropping passes that you know are, have maybe been caught in years past. So you have a quarterback who doesn't have any confidence. So what do you need? It's kind of like in baseball, when you're when, when a hitter's having a hard time hitting the baseball, you know, making con- any contact at all. You, back in little, we used to have this bunt, right? Remember those days, just to make some contact. Well, I you know I think right now. You know, maybe a guy like John Jackson, Kyle Ford, they're, they're not going to be the guy that's going to get a 35, 40-yard play, uh, you know, or have an opportunity to do that every play like a Taj Washington can and others. But you're going to have guys that let's find out if they can catch the football because there's other guys right now that aren't catching the football. So what does a quarterback need right now more than anything else, in my opinion? Guys that are catching the football. You know, let's, you know, if we're watching in practice certain players that we're writing about because they're performing well in practice and we're not seeing them in games at all, except for maybe two times, you know, I think there's a problem. So, you know, I, I think coaching, execution, all of that, if you, if you factor all that in, you know, it, it's a D plus for me. All right. Counselor, Mr. Arledge, go for it. Look, if this isn't a failing grade so far, then I would hate to see a season that has a failing grade <laughs> attached to it. We are headed towards, unless significant changes were made, we're headed towards the worst season since, what, Hackett's last year? Maybe the, maybe the three and eight in 1991? This is a team that is in complete and utter meltdown. You have a, a quarterback who, as a freshman, looked like an all-conference quarterback. And as a returning all-conference quarterback, looks like a freshman. You have an offensive coordinator that also looks like a freshman. I mean, I, I, I'm not an air raid fan, and I wish we weren't running this offense, but there are people who can coordinate this offense and look competent. Graham Harrell is not one of them. Frankly, Dante, if I were, if I were the new head coach at USC, I would have made a change to the first day that I got that job at, uh, at offensive coordinator. It's been a spectacular failure. And at this point, I'm not sure how hard the guys are even playing. And, and all, those, all those positions, all those position groups that we thought would be solid, quarterback, edge rusher, secondary, all of these positions are failing right now. Even wide receiver is almost failing right now. Drake London is still a monster, but he's dropping balls. Everybody else is dropping balls. I mean – I'm looking for the positives and I'm seeing eight quarters of football and there was one or eight halves of football and there was one good half in the eight. And it just so happened to coincide with a time when SC was playing a conference doormat with a walk-on quarterback. Everybody's going to look good playing the conference doormat when they're playing a walk-on quarterback. Greg, it's a disaster. And unless things change dramatically, the last, the last eight games of this season are going to be really hard to watch. All right. Well, no one's going to be disagree with that. Uh, we're all pretty good now with uh, with the grading period is over. We can start with a new grading Please. period. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, let's take a little deep breath here. We'll go to halftime. 
you know, usually when teams have problems, coaches look for ways to rejuvenate the fans or whatever. So I want to get your opinion, guys, on this idea of wearing alternate throwback uniforms, uniforms that are different colors uh, other than the traditional school colors. What, what, what do you think about that, Culkin? No. So, no, what? no I, I'm not a fan of a third uniform, alternate different colors, whatever. I remember when they, when they trotted those guys out one night with the, with the new shiny helmets and when, when the lights hit them, they looked like a bunch of Christmas tree ornaments running around out there. <laughs> it just, you know, there's so little tradition left in college football. Let USC be the last one to shut the door on tradition. So you got, my answer is no, let's just stay with Cardinal and gold I love the crescent on the sleeve. You know, if they want to maybe go an old school USC uniform, I'm all for it. But I, I don't need, like I said, I, I don't need to see a bunch of Christmas tree ornaments running around up there. No. All right. What about you, Chris? You want to see a bunch of Christmas ornaments running around the Coliseum turf? Uh, beats what I've been watching. <laughs> um, look, I, I, I'm something of a dinosaur like, uh, like, like you are, Greg. I, I am... Um, I think the alternative uniforms are nice for recruiting um, and you could do it the way the Irish had done it and do it right. I mean, the, the alternative green uniforms occasionally for them uh, is now tradition uh, for them. But the thing is, if you want to start a tradition like that, where occasionally you pull out an alternative Jersey, you don't do it with this team. If Notre Dame would have pulled out their alternative greens with a uh, with a four and eight football team, I suspect that would have been the end of that tradition. So uh, I think that uh, I think that's something that you may think about doing if you uh, if you're playing good football. Um, but right now, right now we're not. Well, you know what, Scott, uh, you are uh, hands on with the recruiting. You know it turns on these recruits. What's your thoughts about uh, alternative uniforms, throwbacks? Uh, Colors changes in uniform uh, colors. What do you think? I mean, I don't think there's any reason to to add that element at USC, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, recruits like to go on these recruiting visits, go to Oregon and places like that, and they put on all the different uniform variations. And they take a bunch of pictures with Mario sitting on a, on, a, on a throne or something like that. But, I mean, the reality is USC would benefit a lot more by, by spending millions of dollars on a facility if that's if you're trying to impress recruits. The, the uniform thing, honest to God, it really isn't, doesn't impress it that much. So it sounds good. And it's like, oh, those uniforms are sick or whatever word terminology are used. I think it's, it's, it's nearly irrelevant when it comes to recruiting, to be quite honest with you. So no. And keep the names off the back of them, too. Amen. Chris, what about uh, since the guys brought it up, uh, names on back of uniforms? What do you think about that? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm opposed. I think that uh, I'm a traditionalist, and uh, and I wouldn't want them to stray from that. And um, again, if you're going to put names on the back, I don't know. Maybe if that will encourage people to uh, to play harder, <laughs> that uh, you can actually tell who they are. Maybe if that's maybe if that's going to if that's going to be an end result. Otherwise, no. Oh, well, okay. So my feeling on it is absolutely not. I don't like alternative uniforms. Uh, the only time I've really seen an alternative drastic uniform was maybe in 1972. Uh, the uniforms the Trojans wear right now are the early John McKay uniforms. And then when the Trojans went six and four in 71, he wanted to make a change. And if you remember or take a look at photos, there were 
the change of the stripes on the shoulders and it was more on the sleeve. I know this is not coming over well, but if you take a look and then there was, uh, I think a decal on the side of the helmet uh, that they did a little work with. So there have been changes to kind of set change kind of a pattern, but overall, I think USC's uniforms are as good as anybody's in the country. In fact, I am, I can understand Michigan. I think they have unique uniforms with the helmet. I don't know what this idea when I read some of the other people that say, wow, those Notre Dame uniforms are very pretty. You know what? I, I think they're not pretty. I think that they're just plain Jane, like Penn State. You know, Penn State, oh, I like the all white. But no, I don't like, you know, the colors are cardinal and gold. So why are we going to add other colors in there? If we can add other colors than just make them part of the of the deal. I don't believe in making players happy when I recruit them. Look, we'll wear what what color do you like? You like aqua? Okay, we're gonna have an aqua uniform uh sometime during your four years with us. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, as far as uniform names on the back, I'm not for that at all. I think it's we, not me, but uh I know SC's in the minority of that, so whatever. Hey Greg, we're talking right. about the Irish. Those those home, the the traditional home uniforms, Notre Dame with the dark uh the dark blue jerseys, uh, those are those are good. The away uniforms, not so much, but their home unis, top three in the country, I think. Chris, you're wrong. But <laughs> oh, it, made feel, it made me feel good to say that. I you know I wouldn't have been able to say that unless I was a hundred percent sure that you were wrong. But right. I appreciate your perspective. <laughs> I was gonna say right. I was gonna say this for the for the gay or nay before the Notre Dame game. So I I want your guys' quick opinion. New tradition for the USC Notre Dame game. USC wins. They take when they get the shillelagh. The following year, when the Trojan warrior goes out to lead the band out to the field, instead of the sword, you take the shillelagh and claim the field. Yay, nay, maybe. Well, I, I got a better one. I, I think he takes a shillelagh and hits the leprechaun with it. That's a tradition <laughs> I can get behind. Yeah, no argument. <laughs> well, how about this? How about they beat the Irish first, and then well, we can decide what they do. <laughs> I think that's got to be the number one thing. So. Let's get into the third quarter kick. I think this is going to be a great topic because I, first of all, I want to thank everybody that's been watching our uh, video cast out there. We appreciate it greatly. Uh, it's numbering in the thousands and uh, you know, it motivates us. I know, I hope you're getting something out of it. We're trying to get your perspective on things that you would like us to talk about besides the, the normal, uh, you know, review of the games and stuff. So uh, keep watching. We appreciate it. And to all of you, fight on. So we know what you're thinking because we're thinking the same thing. What about hope? Hope comes in the form of candidates for the new for the head coaching job. And after what we saw last week, I am not one who's saying that I think that we should take our time and go into December. I say the earlier they can get it done with the right person. I'm not saying rush it. I'm saying let's be realistic on some of these candidates. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to go over our top list of seven. Uh, we'll start off with seven through one, seven being the, you know, the borderline one being that's the guy I'm going to start it off. So that everybody can kind of see the pattern that I'm taking. Uh, uh, please feel free to answer after every uh, coach uh, pro or con, whatever. Uh, so I'm going to start it off here and I'm going to say, Number seven for me is either P.J. Fleck from Minnesota, who had the downer game uh, recently, uh, or, or Mario Cristobal, who I don't think is coming whatsoever. I'm putting in there out of respect. Cristobal is going to take the Miami job as soon as it's open. It's the most likely to be open. He's from Miami, grew up in Miami, 
It's a no-brainer. Uh, if he comes to SC, I don't want to see SC become a stopping point. And then after two years go, oh, I want to get back to Miami. It's my hometown. Oh, sure, Mario. We understand that. Um, number six for me is, uh, and could grow higher on this list, I might add, is Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. The only negative would be, okay, so he's not uh, Mr. Personality, but man, he checks all the boxes for me. Great pe pedigree. Look what his teams do. He's got a system. He's worked under uh dennis erickson he's you know he's worked under chris peterson i mean that dude knows what he's doing he's got a staff that could come down here so i he's my number five or excuse me number six number five matt campbell from iowa state uh not totally sold on campbell but i think he's a name worthy of consideration uh would he come out here he's got a young family so he could make the move uh but he's a kind of a pittsburgh guy a midwest guy uh, son of a football coach, I might add. Uh, number four will be Luke Fickle. I think this is kind of uh, overplayed because he's from Cincinnati. I don't think he's going anywhere. His wife is from Ohio State. He's from Ohio State. His family's there. His son is at Cincinnati. Um, since they're going into the Big 12. So I, I think just the fact that uh, he was hired by, by Bone means nothing to me. Uh, number three, Bill O'Brien uh, took Penn State when they're really in the ditch. Uh, and came back two years, and people say, well, he only stayed for two because then he jumped to the NFL. Look, that's his job promotion. He won four division titles with Texas. Uh, didn't end nicely, but I'm not going to hold that against him. Uh, and he's also the offensive coordinator for Alabama, and if they win the national title, he's, be, he's a hot name. Uh, number two, I don't think is coming. Uh, Bob Stoops, that's a respectful uh, wish that, that he would do. I, you know, one of the things is he would want his assistants to be paid big money, uh, I think SC is in a position where they have to pay, pay big money. My number one choice, who I don't think will get the job, but he checks every box to me, is Chris Peterson. Uh, Chris Peterson came out on Fox, said everything that this program needed. Uh, my question with him is, you know, this fire in the belly, does he still have it? He said that to get SC back, you need to be first recruit, recruit, recruit. His quote was uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And then he went on, made other great points. But if all was said and done and he can get in, get an interview, I would go after him in a New York second. So that's what I think, but it's also important what you think. And so uh, what do you think, Scott Schrader? You, you know the recruits. What's, what's going on there? What, what's your, who's your top seven, seven to one? Well, I, I, I made my list of just kind of knowing there were going to be a bunch of us offering opinions. So I just kind of threw in maybe a few realistic and then maybe – a few unrealistic, but you, you never know. But, um, and, I, and I'm ready to have all of the bottles and the eggs and the vegetables thrown at me for this one. But number seven for me is Lane Kiffin. Um, I think if Lane I had a bottle, if I had a bottle, Scott. <laughs> uh, Chris, you also have a carton of tomatoes. <laughs> hey, somebody throws something. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have interrupted. Isn't this what the buzzer's for, Greg? Isn't this the time when you use a buzzer? <laughs> just mute, just just mute me i'll, I'll, I'll be quiet <laughs> that's, that's what i'm here for all right i won't even say why but anyway number number six luke fickle i mean i'm just whether he's realistic or not i'm, I'm not really going to be concerned about that today i think we're going to have to start getting more serious about that part of the element of, of the coach search at some point in the near future. But right now we can have fun with this, right? So Luke Fickle, I think what he's done at Cincinnati, I mean, come on. 
you know, I, it's, I don't know. I don't know how you can't be impressed with what he's done there. So you're looking at a guy proven winner at a program that's not known as, as a blue blood or, or an elite program. And there they are in the top 10 anyways. I don't even know where they're ranked. Um, number five, Bob Stoops, like with you, Greg, you know, he's, he's, I think his Rolodex is enormous. He's going to be able to bring in a, a first-class staff. You know, the only thing is he hasn't coached for, you know, for a few years. I'm not sure that's a really big deal for, for guys that have, with the experience he has anyway. But I think you bring in Bob Stoops at the very, very least, you're competing for a Pac-12 championship every year. You're going to recruit really well, and I, I think that's very, very important. Um, number four, Eric Bieniemy from the Kansas City Chiefs, offensive coordinator. Um, I'll be honest with you. I really don't even know that much about Eric Bieniemy's, like how he's coaching and what he's doing at, at, at Kansas City. But I'm just kind of rolling with all of the stuff that, that I've read about, you know, him. I do know that he would bring an element to, to Los Angeles being a local guy. You know, maybe him teamed up with some other, even like Dante and some other guys in Los Angeles. It could be intriguing. But I'm, I'm sort of looking at this sometimes from the viewpoint of I'm looking for what's going to be good for business. And I, I think at least short term, he would be good for business. Uh, number three, Kalani Sataki from, from BYU. I think, again, you have a guy who's been there. His, his record is not overly impressive overall at BYU, but I think you see what he's done to that football program. Uh, you know, BYU was really, really good with Bronco Mendenhall, kind of similar type records every year. But I think, you know, Kalani's got, I think he would be a great fit in Los Angeles. Um, number two, Chris Peterson. You know, he says no, no, no. Nobody thinks he would, he would come to USC. But again, we don't. We don't really know for sure until money starts getting getting offered to these guys. But he would be he would be, in my opinion, a slam dunk sure thing hire. Uh, you know, stuff would get done. And then number one for me, the absolute no brainer slam dunk grand slam hire national championship contention within a few years is Urban Meyer. That's it for me. Well, that's a good point. Now, Urban Meyer, I can tell you this since you brought it up, and I I feel obligated to inject this. A source in uh, Jacksonville that I know told me that Urban Meyer is interested in USC. Uh, I think it gets down to Carol Folt. Uh, I don't see that happening, but I'm not going to disagree with your number one pick uh, at all. It's whether she would be willing to do it. I don't know whether she would, but maybe Chris Arledge knows whether she would. One second. Yes, yes, I'm, you're welcome I'm to speak. Willing, I am willing, just give me Urban Meyer's Venmo account and I will help out. Yeah. Carol Fultz. <laughs> Carol Fultz, okay, well, all right. <laughs> yes! All right. I thought I, you know, I have these sound effects I've been waiting to use, so forgive me if I say, Mark, are we boring you? You're going no, back to the couch. Going all right, yeah, come on. Chris is about to speak. Let's <laughs> let's all give our undivided attention. Chris, yeah, I th I go ahead. Uh, okay, so um, I'm not. I'm going to give some thoughts on some people rather than giving you the top seven list. I'm not sure that I have seven I want to talk about. First, let me apologize to Scott for my tirade, but um, I'll say this: if he would have said Sarkeesian at number six, I would have just left the program immediately. Uh, <laughs> So, listen, Urban Meyer is obviously an absolute home run high. Uh, the surest thing that ever existed uh, when it comes to a college oh, yeah. football coach. I don't think it's going to happen, but that would make me uh, unbelievably happy. I, I agree with everybody. Chris Peterson is just a small step below Urban. He's not at his level, but Chris Peterson is an outstanding football coach. If he has the energy and the desire, he would be fantastic. And – He's a guy that you could announce before December. You could, you mm. could salvage a recruiting class. 
you could give the fans hope. Uh, and that means something right now because we could use that. Um, Eric Bieniemy makes me nervous. Eric Bieniemy, um, he may be a fantastic football coach, but he is he is the offensive coordinator for an Andy Reid team. That means that he's not really the offensive coordinator, right? Like like the, the, when uh, when Pete Carroll had defensive coordinators at USC, Pete Carroll's a defensive coordinator of that football team. Uh, Andy Reid is one of the best offensive coaches uh, in NFL history. Um, and so Eric Bieniemy has Andy Reid as his head coach, and he has maybe the most talented quarterback who ever lived. I'm not going to give him a ton of credit for the Chiefs' success, and 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 if that's what you're basing it on, and I think you have to be, then I'm not uh, I'm not excited about that. Um, I think I think Campbell at Iowa State would be fantastic. That is an extraordinarily difficult place to win. You don't have any recruiting, uh, any recruiting territory. You have no tradition. It's a tiny little state, and you're the and you're the second you're the second fiddle in that state. Um, winning at Iowa State and knocking off top five teams, which he's done on multiple occasions, is really really impressive to me. Um, if you can't land the superstar hires we talked about, I would be uh, I would be very very pleased uh, with Campbell. Um, I also think uh, that O'Brien is a good is a good option. This is somebody who has uh, coached at the highest levels, including the NFL. Did a nice job at Penn State when when things were a disaster. I think you can do pretty well with any of those guys. And um, um, my last point on on Mario Cristobal, I think he's probably a good coach. He certainly favors a type of football that I like. Uh, he does a good job of recruiting and developing offensive linemen, but I don't think he's going to come to SC. And the last thing I want to do is go to one of our um, is go to our our biggest problem in conference, try to recruit their coach, get turned down, uh, and then have that coach and Oregon crowing about it all the time. I don't want to give Oregon anything to crow about. I want them to sink into the center of the earth. And and so. If uh, going to Mario Cristobal is going to is going to give them some benefit, and I think it would, then uh, then I'm. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Well, Mark, what what do you think? Yeah, I'm gonna kind of do a what you guys all did, and just kind of mishmash everything here together. Um, the first two names on the top of my list, which you know I, I don't think USC has a chance. You know, you've already, you guys already mentioned Urban Meyer. Go you know go big or go home. So if you can't have him and I get to write a check for whomever I want to lure, uh, I'm going Matt Rule over there at Carolina. Um, you know, I'm sorry, Sam Darnold. He's making you look good. He's helping you. But USC needs more help than you need. And I, I saw what he did at Temple. I saw what he took at Baylor and turned that into a program. I mean, people think USC has problems. Baylor took their problems to a whole nother level of garbage. And, and he cleaned that mess up rather quickly. His offensive stylings, his defensive approach, he's a football coach. He's the guy that can fix this program right away. Now, in a real world, um, I think Chris Peterson is my first choice with the caveat that Dante Williams is the coach in training. Uh, I hate that coach in waiting, um, but I, I think that's what Dante needs right now. He's, I've kind of likened him to, he, he jumped into the, into the deep end of the pool without his arm floaters. He, he knows how to swim. I just don't know if he has the sustainability to stay out in the deep pool, deep end of the pool right now without a really good support system around him. 
And he doesn't have that right now, in my opinion. So um, Chris Peterson immediately brings the discipline. He's shown that he can do, he's a less with more guy. And USC is going to supply him with a lot more than he's ever had at Boise State or at Washington. I think the one name out there that intrigues me a lot, um, if we can't have Peterson, I'm starting to really warm up to the Kalani Sataki idea. Um, number one, he owns the Pac-12. You know, he's having zero issues beating anybody in the Pac-12 right now. Um, he will have an inroad with the poly community, which I think is going to help with the you know, offensive line recruiting and defensive line recruiting. They tend to be bigger guys in that community. So that's a positive. Um, and again, you bring Dante along to help with recruiting. Uh, and if, you know, Dante turns into a great coordinator, because he, he's never even been that yet. Um, you know, let him get, I would like to see Dante get his feet wet as a head coach somewhere else and then come back to USC. And then, you know, you guys have already mentioned the names, Matt Campbell, um, Luke Fickle, uh, I know Eric McKinney's big guy, big on Jeff Halfley. You know, that's the name he likes to talk about. Uh, I will tell you right now, I want nothing to do with any more air raid principles. So Lincoln Riley isn't even on my list. So those are the names I would start with. Um, Chris Peterson's at the top and everybody else is kind of right below him. Very interesting, guys. Nobody, correct me, I'm getting older, so my brain cells are dying momentarily. Uh, nobody mentioned uh, uh, Franklin from Penn State. Uh, you know, I think that I'm going to just throw this out and then we're going to move on. Penn State plays at Ohio State at the end of the uh, month, I think. That could be a telltale sign whether he really is interested or whether it's all going to be more than just talk. I think if he beats Penn State at Ohio State, there's no re he'll know that he's turned the corner. Uh, but if he takes another loss to, to Ohio State, he'll say, we may never beat him, and I'm stuck in this situation forever, and I'm more willing to listen to what USC has to say. Uh, remember that he was once at Washington State. That's where he met his wife uh, at Washington State. So he does have West Coast uh, experience, okay? So all your answers were really incredibly good. Uh, you know, Taki is a very interesting uh, aspect, I think. Uh, you know, he does get more mature players than, than everybody else. So maybe that's a little bit of a different, uh, you know, coaching end of it. But I think it's obviously a, a name that we'll look at. And we're going to go through our lists uh, through, the, through the rest of the season. You might want to change here or there as you see things unroll. So we'll go from there. So I think that's, uh, that's all we're going to say on this matter. Um, we'll move on here. I don't want to get uh, Mark. Are you, you ready to go? Plugging in so I don't die. Okay. All right. Fourth quarter. Here we go. We got Colorado and Boulder coming up on Saturday. That's a uh, noontime kickoff in Boulder, 11 o'clock in Los Angeles. Um, just a little uh, couple of things. Uh, you know, Colorado is having its moments, shall we say, its struggles. But how do you uh, forecast uh, what's going to go and happen in this game? Uh, Scott, you want to start us off there? Colorado yeah. Buffaloes, your thoughts? You know, I don't really, again, it was like last week. I really didn't know much about, about Oregon State. I don't know that much about Colorado, except based off what, what we've seen in the past and just kind of the little bit that I've seen them play this year. I'll just basically just, just talk about where USC needs to be at this point when they go to Colorado. 
to, to at least be semi-hopeful that maybe things are going in the right direction. You know, you, you, you need to go to Colorado and you need to beat them like they beat Washington State. I'm not quite sure anything other than that is going to make USC fans feel very optimistic. But if they do go in there and they do play like they did at Washington State and 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 they beat a team that typically you would think USC should should beat easily, you know, I, I think that that would be a good sign to just see USC be able to go take care of business once again. But, you know, again, you know, based off what we saw versus Oregon State and Stanford, um, it, it could potentially be hard to win every single game USC plays this year. So that's about all I have for my preview. All right. Now, Mark, you'll be going to the game uh, in Boulder. Am I correct on that? Is absolutely. that okay? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, what do you think is going to happen? I do want to point out one thing about Colorado for those that uh, are unsure about Colorado. They're one in three overall. They're zero and one in the pac 12. So that's uh, just want to give a little background. So, uh, Go ahead. Uh, well, number one, I'm looking forward to uh, to the media meal. Colorado always feeds us extremely well. Um, knowing how badly this team got their ass handed to them at home, uh, they, they're not going to have that pressure of playing in front of the tens of hundreds of fans. Um, they'll only be playing in front of thousands of fans in Boulder. So I, I think defensively, they're going to look to stop the run. They're going to try and regain whatever testicular fortitude they have remaining and display that. And hopefully the team can build off of that. Um, and I'm also hoping that on the other side of the ball, uh, they try and balance themselves out. When the run game is working, don't go away from it. It was working with Keontae Ingram in the first quarter against Oregon State. They went away from it at some point for some reason. So uh, I'm looking for a win. I don't anticipate a Washington State type of victory. I think at this point, any type of victory is going to satisfy the fans. It's going to satisfy me uh, because I think as everybody's alluded to earlier, um, there's a possibility that you know winning any more games this season is going to be a struggle. So go in there, business like at, businessman attitude, just do your job, leave with a win. Don't do anything flashy, just get the job done. Very workmanlike. All right, Christopher, what do you say? You're the former college defensive back. How do you see the game? Well, I think that Colorado struggled offensively all year. USC's defense can have a good game Saturday and probably will. But Colorado plays pretty good defense, and USC's offense is a mess. The question for me is whether the wheels have completely come off. I played on teams. I played on teams in college where the wheels completely came off, and there was no confidence. There was very little desire, and it was just a disaster. And you knew going into the game that, that you were going to have problems. Uh, and even the, even the guys on the team who didn't want to think that, as soon as you give up a touchdown or as soon as you turn the ball over – you completely deflate. I don't know if the Trojans are there yet, but it sure looked like it's Saturday. And if that's where they are, every team on the schedule is going to smell blood in the water and have a chance to, to put a beat down on USC. And if you're Colorado and you haven't beaten USC, I mean, every year they lose to the Trojans. Every year. A lot of those guys are from LA. They're going to want this game. I don't know if the Trojans want this game. And I'm afraid the answer is no. 
I think Colorado wins because I'm not convinced that USC is going to put up a fight. But if the Trojans still have some fight in them, then uh, then this is probably a 21 to, to 14 USC victory. Well, I think you all hit on good points. Um, my personal feeling is, is um, if SC doesn't come to play, they're going to have big problems. This Colorado team is inept as they appear to be on offense, and they do have problems scoring points. Uh, they will play hard enough. We saw that against Texas A&M earlier in the season. Uh, they, they play hard. They, they, they can't get out of their way, own way sometimes on offense. Uh, part of that is because they lost their original starting quarterback, transferred out, uh, and they were kind of caught there uh, with their pants down, so to speak. Uh, you know, one of the things I don't like is this idea. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a sugar high, uh, us against the world. Nobody likes this. No, everybody's against us. We only have ourselves. Uh, I think that card's been played for SC, and I think it's time to move on. It's time to put on your big boy USC pants and, and make a rumble out of it in Boulder. I know every quarter of that game is close. I agree with Chris. Uh, the chances are Colorado's going to get even stronger, tougher, and they have to make a statement. Now, whether I don't know whether SC can – well, first of all, we know they can't run the ball, but I think Colorado is stiff enough to really make sure that doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, we can't lose sight of the fact that uh, – you know, Slovis is still sitting back there like a sitting duck where they try to throw 48 passes. No imp- you know, improvisations with, I've said this until I'm blue in the face, screens, misdirections, et cetera. And I think uh, Colorado, and by the way, I do want to comment one thing about Mark. Uh, they do have the best uh, media meal by far. So I'm going to be a little jealous there when they start serving you the ribs and the chicken. The dessert tray at the, in the you know, after they're done is unbelievable. Trust me. Uh, much better than the uh, Golden Corral. Anyway, uh, that's about all we need to say on that one. I think with that, we'll just move into overtime. Time to get your fearless predictions on a few of the games. Uh, there's uh, uh, Pac-12 games. Uh, Arizona and Utah have buys, so uh, they're not part of the equation. So we're only going to be doing uh, one, two, three, four, five, five games. Uh, so let's start off with Number three, Oregon is Stanford, 12.30 p.m. ABC. Oregon is favored by seven points. Uh, Chris, do you think they're favored by seven? I know you love Oregon. You've said that many times. Uh, what is your call on this game? I hate Oregon, and they're going to blow out Stanford. Well, Stanford's not a good football team. Despite what we saw a few weeks ago, they are not a good football team. Oregon rolls. Okay. Scott, do they roll? Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I, don't have, I don't have a score prediction. I mean, I know we can have fun with that part too, but I think looking at 37 to 17, is that a blowout? I think it is. I think it is. Blowout, Culkin? No, I think Stanford will play them tough at home. Uh, They, for whatever reason, they, you know, they play well against Oregon. Um, So I'll get what Oregon will win, but it'll it'll be close. All right. I think that Stanford won't give up. I think if Stanford uh, gets to do what Stanford does, they could make it a game. I think Oregon is too fast for them. I think they can get them out of their routine. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Oregon, uh, maybe a little closer than I thought, but I still think in the end, Oregon's going to, is going to take it to them. All right. Uh, Washington state at Cal two 30 PM PAC 12 networks. Cal is favored by seven and a half. Uh, I'll go first on this one. Uh, it's, it's Cal. I think that Washington state is, 
definitely on life support. Uh, what, what do you think, Chris? I agree with you. I think Cal wins this game. I don't think much of Cal, but Washington State's a bad football team. Cal. Okay. Scotty? I'm taking Cal. <laughs> don't, I mean, don't, don't dive deep into it. I don't want to have a brain injury. <laughs> wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be something if we, if we were able to just watch Cal – USC and Washington State just play each other for 12 straight weeks out. <laughs> Good Lord. I mean, that would be the idiot follies for us all. No Arizona Wildcats, Scott? We need Arizona oh, Wildcats. Another team. See, Chris? Yes. With, with Ari- I mean, remember last year, we, last year the Trojans ran for 170 yards against Arizona, and Clay Helton couldn't stop bragging about it. So <laughs> I, I hope we at least get them. All right, Mark, what do you think? Where's the game played? It's at Cal. I'm going to go Cougars. No. 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 Jared, Jared Guantanamo, whatever the hell his name is, he'll he'll have a game. I, I don't know why. He just will. <laughs> well, that's a, that's definitely a, a precise answer, I think. All right. Washington or Oregon State, 6 p.m. Pac-12 Networks. Washington, the Huskies will be barking. They're up by the ARA three-point. Favorite, Mark, you may proceed and, and take us to uh, Corvallis. What do you think? I'm, I'm going Beavis right now. I Like you guys talked about, I didn't mention Jonathan Smith, but yeah, he's got that team playing really well, very disciplined. You know, penalties aside, um, th- that's a fun team to watch. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going Beavers. Is that a fun team to watch, Chris? It wasn't fun Saturday, was it? Um, I actually agree. I think I think Oregon State. I think Oregon State wins that game. Oregon State's not an easy place to play. Even Pete Carroll struggled at Oregon State, and he didn't struggle very many places. Washington is still in turmoil. Uh, Oregon State feels pretty good about themselves, and I and I agree that uh, that Smith is a creative offensive coach, and they play with toughness. I like the Beavers now. Scott, you like the Beavers? I'm going to take Oregon State as well. Yes. And that is a tough, you know, they, they prove that is a tough place to play. Reezer Stadium. Fog Bowl 2008. Yeah, that, that place stinks. Especially in October, right? Well, it's I can October. tell you, well, Oregon yeah. State is a tough place to play, especially when in the past, when I've been there, the, the visiting team had to dress across the street That's and walk sweet. across the street. And it was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. I mean, it was kind of like a high school game where a team dresses out in the gym and then they walk over to their stadium. Yep. It's an unusual place, but what's not going to be unusual is when Oregon State uh, hands it to the Huskies. I think Oregon State's on a roll. Uh, you know, Corvallis is in the middle of nowhere, but then again, that isn't going to be the reason that they roll. They're just the better football team. All right, here's an intriguing one. ASU at number 20 UCLA, 7.30 p.m. FS1. UCLA is favored by three and a half. Chris, what do you think? I think UCLA is a good football team, and and I I know they they had the slip up against Fresno State, but um, UCLA is good, and I think they're going to hammer ASU. I'm afraid the Bruins are going to get better and better as the year goes on. Actually, I'm a little bit worried about that. So I think the Bruins win this one, sadly. All right. Well, uh, Mark, sadly, is that going to happen? Mark, you got to unmute yourself. We can't hear you, Mark. Mark. 
That was on purpose because I will never, you'll never hear me give compliments to that school across town. So you can, you can take what you want from what I just said. And that's the winner. <laughs> well, Scott, will you be a little bit more diplomatic in the way you address it? <laughs> Fours up. <laughs> UCLA, has a football team. UCLA has a bunch of you know old guys like BYU on their football team. They got a lot of veterans and they got an offensive line. You put together an offensive line like like an Oregon and a UCLA has currently and, and other teams that you see. And you can have a good football team. You can compete every week. You don't you don't need to recruit five, four and five star skill players. Obviously, you can win championships like Alabama and those in, in Ohio State. You do. But um, UCLA is going to be very hard to beat, especially at home. You know, they're, they're they even even when they were losing games the past few years, they were winning games at home. So I got UCLA. I, I would say they're going to win by 20. Okay. Well, I will say it's going to be UCLA. Uh, I think that they're going to get better as every, as every game goes. I think they learned a lot against Fresno state. Uh, obviously they rallied. They didn't collapse and fall on the floor and start crying. So I'm taking the Bruins. I think ASU can be inconsistent. Uh, so I think that UCLA is going to win by more than three and a half points in my opinion. Which transitions us to the big game, the one that America has been waiting to see, uh, USC at Colorado. Scott, what do you think? Seven and a half point favorites, USC. Eleven. Excuse me, one second, Scott. Eleven a.m. Pacific Coast time. It'll be noon uh, in Boulder for those of you that are going to the game, so you don't get confused. For those uh, that are going to watch on TV, Pac-12 networks. Again, SC is favored by seven. I'm sorry, Scott. Continue. It's all right. Um, you know, I think USC is going to win. Uh, I, I think that um, I'm going to give I'm going to give them a little credit that they will USC will improve each week too. You know, whether they do or not, I don't know. I just think that USC will improve at least a little bit. You don't need to probably improve a lot to beat Colorado at Colorado even. So I'll take USC. I think they're going to win by 20 points. Wow. Yep. Okay, uh, Mark. I know that you would like to throw a point spread on the media meal. I'll I'll take the media meal fourteen if you give me fourteen points on that. But what about the game? What do you What do you think? Yeah. Uh, so I, I heard what Chris said earlier. And I was um, it's not going to take Colorado sixty one years to break that streak. Um, I it's they haven't beat USC fourteen tries. I hope this isn't the year. It's going to be close. Uh, Colorado covers. USC wins. Wow. Okay. Chris? I hope they prove me wrong, Greg. But I think the wheels have come off the wagon. I think Colorado wins, and I don't think it's close. Wow. Whoa. Ooh. Okay. Well, Play hell quit. Didn't you hear? <laughs> It didn't look like it, though, did it? Well, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I'm going to take I, the seven points. I could see the game being 10-7. You know, I mean, that's how much I think both offenses, you know, SC can't run. They pass. Colorado play hard. They could run the ball. We saw what happened with, against Oregon State when someone ran the ball. Every quarter that game stays close into that fourth quarter. It's anybody's game. Could come down to Parker Lewis. I will, uh, I will be, I will think SC's going to win, 
it will not shock me if SC doesn't win. And I will tell you, if SC doesn't win, they're in a lot of trouble. I will say that this is their one shot against a team that has some real deficiencies. And if they don't, if they don't cut it now, that second half of the season is going to be a lot more difficult than the first half. So anyway, well, listen, I want to thank all of our panelists uh, and our producer, Jake Evans, and a reminder that USC is on the road against Colorado. Kickoff time is 7 a.m. Pacific Coast time, and the game will be televised in the Pac-12 networks. Uh, also want to remind you while we're at it that you can also hear these uh, Inside the Trojans Huddle is also a podcast and also uh, can be connected on uh, if you want to go out there walking and listen to us uh, keep you busy. Uh, we're, we're available there on the podcast uh, areas, uh, iTunes and uh, so on and so forth. So next Tuesday, we'll review the Colorado game. We'll check in on the coaching search, discuss college football playoff expansion, preview the Utah game, which, by the way, has been announced as a five o'clock kickoff in the Coliseum as well as selected related topics to USC and college football. Until next Tuesday, thank you again, panel. Thank you, all of you listeners. And uh, once again, fight on, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.